Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And what is going on, everybody? My name is Arn Roy, and welcome back to this podcast. Uh, this is episode two. It is January 11th, 2022. And, uh... You know, not too much going on around the sports world today, but first, uh, you know, I do want to cover, uh, obviously, uh, a big night last night for both the Boston Bruins and the Boston Celtics. Of course, the Celtics uh, beating the uh, Indiana Pacers in overtime yesterday, uh, 101-98, to the Celtics improving to 20-21 and on the season. And yet again, the Celtics, um, you know, uh, have been a team that have been struggling to close out games. I believe the record was 5-11 and 11 in games in which they've been uh, decided or by five or fewer this season, or 2-11, and 11, excuse me. So make that 3-11 and 11 after their win over the Indiana Pacers, who of course fell to 15-28. and 28. Uh, Hell of a night for uh, Jason Tatum, who obviously dropped 24 in that game. Again, the field goal percentage in the decision-making for Jason Tatum seems to be the Achilles heel for him in bigger situations. Of course, Tatum shot 7 for 21 in that game and was 0 for 7 from 3. Uh, did have 12 rebounds, but did end up dropping 24. Now, obviously, they beat the Indiana Pacers, who have really kind of been in a tanking mode this season. They go out and get Lance Stevenson, a guy that hadn't been in the league for a couple years, gave him that 10-day contract, and, you know, are an experimental team at this point. But they obviously have guys like DeMontis Sabonis, who has been a terrific power forward center. He was an all-star last year. They obviously have a guy that's been in the trade market for a little bit of Miles Turner, who ended up only dropping uh, six points in that game on 23 minutes. Um, it it just overall was not a good night for either team. You know, the Celtics shot 39% from the field, 28 from three, and, and the Pacers pretty much shot the same, and it went to overtime. And that's not a team you should be on the same level as, right? This is a Celtics team that's been in a rebuilding mode for a little bit of a while. Not even, you know, they've been a team that have been destined for a championship and have been there, and it's just been getting worse and worse and worse. I, I just feel like it's been getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, over the course of the last couple of years. And ever since their conference championship appearance, I think it goes all the way back to 2018 when they lost to the Cavs. You know, the year after they come back together, lose to Milwaukee in the second round. And it's just been a roller coaster of of so many different things. So the Celtics won that game 101-98. They play the Pacers again tomorrow in Indiana. I feel as though this is kind of a, a little bit of a newer thing in terms of... Uh, <clears throat> you know, back-to-back games against the same team that did it against the Knicks earlier in the season. So not a really good night for them, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, we'll see if they can bounce back tomorrow. But now they're one game below 500. They're currently the 10th seed in the East. They're a team that I just don't expect to be more than a first-rounder uh, or just a team in the first round. And that's it. You know, I, I just don't see them exceeding any great expectations. You know, the East 
is uh, is quite an interesting conference. I mean, I think a lot of people have looked at the West and have said that they've looked intimidating. But you look at the East right now, and you know, there's a lot of teams that have been under uh, underperforming. I mean, you look at the the Atlanta Hawks, who were one of the hottest teams in the playoffs. They're sitting at 17 and 22 on the season, and you know, they were a team that made it all the way to the conference championship, conference final. And if Trey Young were healthy, they could have been in the NBA Finals last year. So, you know, they're a team that have been, you know, really underperforming. And obviously, you know, the four uh, play-in teams of the, uh, are currently the Raptors, Hornets, Wizards, and the Celtics. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, now let's get into the Bruins, who obviously got a huge win over the Washington Capitals, of course, those two played each other in the first round of the playoffs last year, but a 7-3 win over the Capitals in uh, in last night's game. Of course, they were down 2-0 in that game, and they were able to put up six unanswered goals and ended up winning that game 7-3. Both David Pasternak and Brad Marchand had um, uh, two goals and an assist in that game. So really a hell of a night for the Bruins who have won, I believe, five of their last six. And uh, they're actually back at it tomorrow hosting the Canadians with a uh, 7 o'clock puck drop. And uh, obviously the Canadians are one of the worst teams in the league right now with just seven wins on the year. But you look at the Bruins who, you know, were in a really difficult state, obviously prior to the, um, you know, prior to the, prior to the, prior to the suspension of the season. And, you know, they've come out and they've done a, Hell of a job. They've done a terrific job. Go out and beat the Tampa Bay Lightning on the road. And then obviously go and beat the Capitals after falling down 2 nothing. So, And obviously the better news is the Bruins signing Tuka Rask to a future deal. Now, I'm not the biggest Tuka Rask guy. I'm not the biggest Tuka Rask fan. And part of that has been his history in the playoffs. But, you know, with the goaltending issue that they've had, obviously, I mean, I love Jeremy Swayman. And he has played some some terrific goaltending in his last two seasons. But the, the Linus Allmark, Jeremy Swayman... Uh, you know, substitution or shift or whatever the hell you want to call it, has not been the strongest for me. And to me, the Bruins have been a very consistent team, mostly on the defensive side. Um, but the offensive lines are, are the, or the, you know, the lines on the offensive side are, are, are really shifting well um, from that second line with Coyle, Craig Smith, and, uh, and Taylor Hall. And the first line starting to pick it up a little bit more, too, against some good teams. You know, it's not like they're playing you know, Columbus and all that, you know, they're playing Washington and Tampa and all that. So, you know, they're playing some tough teams and and they've been doing well. So they're 19, 11 and two now on the season and they're playing the Canadians tomorrow. So Tukarask is back uh, for the Boston Bruins on a future deal. He did sign with the Providence Bruins uh, earlier in the week. Uh, I don't even think he played a game for Providence, but uh, he is back on the Bruins as expected. Of course, the injury that he suffered and played through when they played the Islanders in the second round of the playoffs, not sure even why he played that, um, you know, played in the rest of that series. So uh, big win there for the Bruins who are now, uh, I believe the fourth seed in their division, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. The fourth seed in their division behind Toronto, Tampa Bay and Florida. Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about the Patriots, who obviously, you know, we covered a little bit yesterday of, uh, of the Patriots obviously playing the, the, the Bills this Saturday. And one thing that I looked at was the fact that the, the game on Saturday night is expected to be nine degrees. Um, no, obviously, you know, there's no specific weather um, weather details in terms of wind. But obviously, you look at the weather and you look at the fact that, you know, the Patriots were able to beat the Bills in some wild conditions earlier in the season, 14 to 10. And I guess that would be the best circumstance for them is if the, you know, the circumstances are the same in terms of the weather. So, 
you know, who knows? Uh, you know, that could play a major role, but it does look like it's going to be a very cold game. And I saw an interesting stat, actually, of Josh Allen's record in certain conditions in, uh, you know, so in, 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 in games 75 degrees or higher, Josh Allen averages 363 yards. In games between 54 degrees and 74 degrees, he averages 321 yards. And in games that are 50 degrees and less, he only averages 144 yards. That's kind of crazy for a guy that plays in Buffalo, New York. In games 50 degrees or less, he averages only 144 yards. And this is not a Buffalo Bills team that runs the ball very well, or a lot. So it's kind of crazy to me that... Those are the conditions, and uh, props go to to Spike King for that stat pulled up, which is just absolutely incredible. uh, That a guy that's you know quarterback of the Buffalo Bills has a record like that in cold weather. So you know, I go back to that game, and it was a struggle for Josh Allen, obviously to throw the ball deep. There was one play where Stephon Diggs was running a vertical route down the left sideline, and they had Miles Bryant on him, uh, and he got burned on that route, and it was miscommunication, and the ball went right off of Diggs' fingertips, but it was an overthrow ball. And the Bills still tried to play that style of offense because the original game plan, the, the original game plan they went into didn't work. So they were like, screw it. We're going to go right into this and, and play like how we've been playing. You know, we're going to go RPO. We're going to do QB draws with Josh Allen. We're going to try to, you know, drop penalties and, and just gun it downfield. And that's what they have been doing. So, you know, and that's kind of how they beat the Patriots in, in weeks, uh, week 16 was, you know, they didn't have that issue with the weather. The Bills didn't obviously have Gabriel Davis or Isaiah McKenzie, or excuse me, uh, or Cole Beasley, and they were still able to flourish well. Josh Allen was making plays out of the pocket really well. McKenzie, who only had seven catches on the season, went into the game and somehow had over 100 yards and a a touchdown. So really crazy what the Bills were able to do in that game. So, and obviously COVID's no longer really that much of an issue. You know, it's back to kind of the same numbers that they were prior to that kind of spike that happened before Christmas. So that's not anything to worry about. Um, and uh, obviously the more recent news of the New York Giants firing head coach Joe Judge. So Joe Judge was just hired last year in 2020 uh, from being a longtime special teams coach with the New England Patriots was hired. And the Giants sucked last year, but the fact that they almost made the playoffs, I think, kept his job alive. But my God, was Joe Judge a train wreck with the New York Giants. I mean, I get it. The injuries were there, but that team was arguably the worst team in football. You know, I tried to make a, an argument for the Jaguars, but hey, the Jaguars at least ended on a good note, beating the Colts and eliminating them from playoff contention. The Giants were just up, 23 touchdowns of the season. That, that's embarrassing. And, you know, they went with Jake Fromm towards the end of the year, who was like a fifth or sixth rounder on the Bills originally. And my God, does he suck. But a lot of that goes on, you know, a, a lot of that goes on you know, coaching and all that. So, you know, prior to Joe, they've had a boatload of awful coaches ever since Tom Coughlin retired. Um, they've had some terrible coaches. You know, they had Ben McAdoo. Uh, I believe it was Pat Shermer. Um, and then you go to Joe Judge and he was a train wreck. So there is a chance that the Patriots could even, you know, could potentially offer him a deal. Cause I mean, we saw obviously yesterday, Brian Flores was fired and he's a guy that, you know, out of all the coaches that have been fired, um, has a strong chance to land somewhere. Joe Judge, not so much. You know, Joe Judge could, could honestly, you know, end up being the same thing as someone like Matt Patricia, who obviously coached the Lions for just a couple seasons and landed as a defensive assistant for the Patriots. And maybe that's made a difference. I don't really know. But Joe Judge could easily be back in the Patriots. I, it is very, very possible. And I would 
totally be up for that because the Patriots special teams this season was terrible. They had two two punts blocked. And this is possibly one of the worst special team seasons for the Patriots I've ever seen under Pavelczyk. So, so if the Patriots have an opportunity to go after Joe Judge, you do it. I don't think any team should offer Joe Judge anything because I think Mike Zimmer's better than him. I think Brian Flores is better than him. Maybe not Matt Nagy, possibly Matt Nagy, but who knows? So the Giants fired him, not a shocker. They were a four win team. And they were a team that I thought were major disappointment because number one, you had a young quarterback that had potential. Don't think he's good. Saquon comes back, just terrible. You go and get Kenny Galladay, who was arguably the top receiver in free agency, didn't even get a single touchdown on the season. You draft a receiver in the first round, and he barely, I don't even think he, he got one or two touchdowns in the season. So, absolute train wreck in New York. But Gettleman steps down. They have a new head coach. I'm kind of excited to see what happens now. I'm kind of excited to see what happens now. So I just saw the Patriots just placed cornerback Jalen Mills on the COVID list. And Jalen Mills has not been one of my favorite guys. You know, you talk about a decent slot corner, was originally playing a free safety position with the Eagles. And that's what he came in as. And the, and the Patriots are playing him at slot corner. So he just has to, he's put, put on the COVID list. But then again, it's Tuesday. They play Saturday, so we can't rule him out. And definitely we need as much depth as we can at the cornerback position uh, because of what we're going up against with the Bills. And uh, the Patriots also signed Malcolm Perry to their practice squad, or actually to a futures contract. Not sure how that works, but Malcolm Perry was on the Patriots roster, I think, in the preseason, and then they ended up cutting him. So, But um, that is pretty much that. So, you know, we'll cover a little bit of pregame for the Celtics and Pacers tomorrow, Bruins and Canadians, go over some of that, and whatever happens tomorrow around the, war, uh, around the sports league. And obviously, don't can't forget to mention Georgia's win over Alabama in the national championship. Not the biggest college football guy, surprisingly, but uh, yeah, <laughs> can't uh, just can't forget about that. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode, and uh, I will see you guys next time. Peace.